welcome to the second season of Knowledge at Wharton and Impact Investment Exchanges podcast series from Backstreet to Wall Street. The theme of this season is Women, Peace and Parity. And in this podcast series, we speak with women innovators and entrepreneurs who are building peace in a new way by addressing the root causes of inequality. In this episode, we're going to look at 10 years of impact investing since the historic meeting convened by the Rockefeller Foundation in 2007 at the Bellagio Center in Italy. Out of this meeting, the term impact investing was coined to refer to investments that have the intention to generate both financial returns and social or environmental impact. We have with us two guests, one of whom coined the term uh, impact investing uh, at at the Bellagio meeting, uh, and the other who started her company IIX after the gathering at Bellagio. It has been 10 years and the impact investing space has grown by leaps and bounds since then. It is now time for us to see what milestones have been achieved and what's next for impact investing. So here to speak with us, uh, our first guest is Anthony Baglavine, a pioneer in the impact investing space who convened the meeting at Bellagio in 2007. Anthony previously oversaw the impact investing initiative at the Rockefeller Foundation and he was the founding board chair of the Global Impact Investment Network. Today, he is the CEO of the Nonprofit Finance Fund, which provides loan financing, access to capital, and direct advisory services to nonprofits. Also joining us today is uh, our second guest, Doreen Shanaz, uh, who is the founder and CEO of Impact Investment Exchange, who has been a pioneer in inve- impact investing in Asia and has a decade of experience innovating solutions to women's empowerment for a more inclusive and peaceful world. So, uh, Doreen and Anthony, welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Doreen, if we could start with you, uh, uh, could you tell us more about the current state of the impact investing space? What are your thoughts? Great. Thank you. Thank you, Mukul. And uh, thank you, Anthony, for being on the show. It's really, really wonderful to have uh, two friends having this chat with. But before I answer that, Mukul, um, I would like to dedicate uh, today's show actually to your mother, Arohini Pandey, who, um, you know, recently left us. And I think it's really, um, you know, for us to acknowledge, you know, women like her who allowed us, frankly, to be where we are today. So really looking at the world in a holistic way. So so this show is, in my mind, you know, for her and women like her. Um, well, with that, I think, um, you know, it's interesting if you Look at the impact investing sort of space and, you know, over the last 10 years, I mean, how it really, you know, started from Anthony sort of coining the term and then sort of this whole space, you know, coming together. It really has come a, come a long way. I mean, it is get, becoming more mainstream. And if you look at some of the numbers now, um, the number is sort of now in it from the Global Impact Investing Network. They're saying it's about 228 billion, you know, that has been deployed um, in capital, which has an impact angle to it, and um, and it's really interesting that we do see a spectrum now, right? On one hand, we see, um, you know, these large uh, private equity funds who are jumping into it, and then on the other side, we're seeing a lot of the international NGOs who are jumping into it. So um, it is a space which is growing, but also people are trying to find their own way. I guess, in this all. So, you know, there's a, uh, it's, it remains to be seen how it all sort of, uh, uh, you know, moves along. But I think it, it is all very uh, exciting. But I think in some ways also this space is really at a crossroad because 
you know, it is a time of turmoil, frankly, um, on the national setting, setting and also the international setting, and where, um, frankly, impact investing, I think, in that way also is capturing the hearts and imagination of a lot of people and with the incredible possibility, you know, that it can do a lot of things to maybe address some of these uh, um, inequality and the turmoil that, that uh, you know, it's now really in front of our face. But I think, you know, if impact investing really was born out of the need for, I guess, a new set of values, um, one that respects people and planet and even the poorest, you know, uh, of the poor, I think it is time for us to sort of say, um, you know, how far we have come and whose voice is really included in, in this success. And, um, and it, you know, if you're really keeping the promise, you know, of impact for the most vulnerable in society and, uh, and if all of this is happening, are we really sort of, you know, bringing also women, you know, which is, as you know, is a big thing for me, um, you know, really from the back street, you know, to the financial market. So these are all of the things I think, while a lot to celebrate, but a lot of questions still that we need to um, explore. So with that, I hand it back to you and Anthony to, uh, to start, you know, the discussion. Uh, thanks, thanks, Doreen. That was a, a, a great overview. So thank you for that. Uh, Anthony, I, <clears throat> I would love to ask you about your perspective. But before we begin, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what got you started on this journey uh, of, of impact investing uh, and, and, and what does sustainable uh, peace and innovative finance mean to you? That's great. And thanks so much for, for inviting me to join the show. As Doreen mentioned, on a just on a human level, one of the great privileges of being part of the impact investing movement over the last decade has been the opportunity to meet like-minded people like Doreen, and it's uh, it's great to be uh, on the show uh, recognizing the, the journey we've been on together along with many others over the last decade. Um, you know, for me, my own background, I began on the impact side of impact investing. I was born and raised in South Africa, um, very motivated and inspired by the anti-apartheid movement of the 1980s, and as that morphed into the uh, liberation of the 1990s and moved back there in the late 1990s, very much focused on um, politics and human rights as a way to make the world a better place. And I think at the time, uh, if you told me I'd be doing what I do now in investing, I would have been a little skeptical and suspicious, because like many people, I believe that um, money investing was for making money, and people who were investors had chose to you know, sell out in order to become rich, and that the way to live a righteous life was through government or nonprofit work. Uh, but it was in South Africa in the, in the late 1990s that I really came to recognize that without economic power, um, people had a very hard time realizing the rights that they had won on paper uh, through politics. And so um, without having any, um, I don't fetishize investors in, as inherently better, but I recognize a need to mobilize uh, the economy to serve the purposes of um, creating a more, be- a, you know, a better world for more people, uh, and especially the opportunity to use the capital markets and investing uh, as a tool to create the opportunities that, that that people need. And this really, my work on impact investing specifically began um, in 2007 at the Rockefeller Foundation, where I was struck by the disconnect between the very bold and inspiring goals the foundation had, not just to make a small difference, but to really address global issues such as um, housing for the billion people who don't have it, sanitation for the two billion people who have, don't have that, uh, the need to you know, help a billion farmers uh, upgrade their productive capacity so they could live better lives and so could their children. 
all of those were issues where if you just simply added up the needs for capital to build the houses, build the sanitation, invest in those farms, it far exceeded what was available in government and through philanthropy. And so it was my work on impact investing came from a very simple recognition that on one hand there's not enough money in philanthropy and government to solve the world's problems. Uh, at the same time, there is enough there is enough capital. It's just sitting in the capital markets, almost entirely not paying attention to the power it has to to unleash so many positive changes. And mission of peace, I really go back to Martin Luther King Jr., who said that true peace is not just the absence of tension; it's the presence of justice. Uh, so I do believe we we have a an obligation and an opportunity through impact investing to play one small part in helping us in our world not just become one in which people enjoy better material resources, but really one in which we are able to spread the the capacity and the opportunities of justice to all people. Great, thank you. That that's that's a really inspiring statement. Uh, so thank you, Anthony, for that. Uh, Doreen, in 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 some ways. Um, IIX has been on a parallel journey because that uh, IIX was also formed 10 years ago uh, to create a financial system, uh, you know, that uh, with, inspired by the principles at the Bellagio meeting. Uh, what, what has been the significance of uh, impact investing to the way in which IIX itself has evolved? Right. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I, you know, Anthony really was sort of the kind of the person, frankly, who got me to start Impact Investment Exchange, IAX. And um, so it was it was in Bellagio that I, when I got this invitation to go there, I still remember, you know, I was teaching at the university and I was, you know, writing these blogs. And I got this email from some Anthony Buglevin and Rockefeller Foundation. And I'm like, oh my God, this must be one of those scam emails because I didn't know anyone in Rockefeller <laughs> Foundation. So it was, it was really, it, it took quite a bit of, you know, for me asking around, I'm like, is this for real? I mean, you know, they're going to send me a ticket to go there. I mean, you know, what is this? So, um, so it was really the end of, end of the week when, um, you know, Anthony turned to me and said, you have to, you have to do something, you know, you have to start something again. And I said, no, no, I've been there, you know, I'm not doing this again. So, so anyway, it didn't take that much convincing. So of course I was like, okay, fine, you I'll do it. Um, but I do tell Anthony, you know, whenever we see each other that, you know, when I have good days, you know, of course I don't remember him, you know, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is great. But when I have bad days, I'm like, God, that Anthony, you know, I'm having a bad day because of him, you know, I wouldn't have been doing this otherwise. So anyway, so now Anthony, I do think of you fondly all the time. So, so anyway, so that's the, that's the beginning, you know, sort of IX. And it was really interesting. I think what was really amazing for me was, Honestly, for the first time in my life, and I always say, you know, every person I hope has the opportunity to have this moment in their life, and which was for me when, you know, basically Anthony said, go and do this, you know, go and see how you can change the capital markets to make it work for all. And it was like, wow, you know, someone's actually letting me think, um, you know, beyond boundaries. And it was really that where... Um, you know, when I created IAX, it really was for me this um, really vision to to be able to transform a financial system and make it really inclusive and have, you know, everyone is and a part of it and listen, and all the idealistic dreams that go with it, right? If only we have a perfect financial system and a perfect world and we'll have peace and, you know, everyone will have a voice. So, um, so it was interesting. So I guess the way we started it, it really was to create... Um, a social stock exchange, and which we did. And it was very interesting that 
sort of the whole process of creating it and then working backwards and sort of saying, okay, what are the, the roads that we need to build um, to get there um, and the cars and uh, you know everything that goes with it. So it was really this whole thing about not just um, you know creating a beacon of of that perfect financial system where everyone will have a voice, but really making sure you know making an ecosystem and being inclusive and having everyone as a part of it. So that really has been the last ten years journey. And I always say you know um, we started off sort of boiling the ocean, and the ocean is now lukewarm. So maybe <laughs> you know we're doing something right, but. Uh, no, it has it has it has been an incredible journey, and I think I do think also a big part of it is um, I think the world is ready for it. You know, it's uh, as an entrepreneur, I always say that fifty percent is luck. You know, this luck does play a big role when you're an entrepreneur, and the other fifty percent is hard work, and you know, the, and the world has to be ready. So I think uh, I think the world is ready for this. So and then I think IX benefited from that. So yes, it's our ten year anniversary next week. So. Um, so we are super excited, and once again, big thank you to Anthony for you know getting us all started with all this. Th- thanks, Doreen. So, Anthony, coming back to you, uh, you are one of the pioneers in impact investing, uh, and you talked earlier about the shortfall in in finance between what was available through governments and philanthropy and and the needs. Uh, uh, how how challenging has it been to entice the capital markets? Uh, to invest in socially meaningful, impactful uh, projects? Uh, what, what has that journey been like over the past decade? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I think it's also very important to recognize that while the term impact investing is something we coined in that meeting in Italy in 2007, the practice of impact investing is, is much older. In the United States, it goes back at least to the one of the founders of America, Benjamin Franklin, who in his will set up what I would certainly appears to me to be what we would now call an impact investing fund in this case to provide loans to um, small business owners so they could be, uh, bu- um, buy guild licenses and start their small businesses. In, in other countries, in the United Kingdom, the Rothschild family in the 19th century set up a revolving loan fund for housing. Uh, in other areas of the world, I'm sure Doreen has examples from Asia where it goes back even longer. So the, the simple idea of impact investing, which is that our for-profit investments are both an economically effective and morally appropriate way to address a social problem. Um, that's all impacting investing is in, in its simplest core. I think we can overly complicate when we talk about investment structures and things like that. But it's just a simple idea that when we make investments, we should not be simply pursuing financial return without paying any attention to what it's doing in the world. And you know, money is a funny thing. It's a construct. Humans came up with it. It was a way to organize our economy and our societies, but it's not uh, an end in itself. It really has always been a means to creating the world we want to live in. And I think it's actually impact investing in a funny way is, is conservative. We're not coming up with something new. Uh, we're returning to a core instinct that I do believe most humans have, which is that wealth and resources should be put to work not only to enrich the individuals who happen to own them at that time. So in a way, I think impact investing is, as Doreen mentioned, uh, it is poised for take-up and expansion, partly because it is something that connects with an intuitive sense many people have. And we certainly see this uh, in the work we do with uh, and the survey data about younger people who are just inherently more open to the idea that the established thing they have been told or we have been told for a few generations that the only purpose of 
investing should be to make money, and that the only way to solve social problems is through charity, is just it doesn't resonate with people because it actually is counterintuitive. So, in a funny way, I do think when when I talk to people, we're we're going back and connecting to something that is is more innate. Uh, the idea that we should have a, a single holistic life rather than a life in which we pursue wealth and then toward the end decide to be charitable by giving that money away. So I think on a macro level there's a real potential. The, the challenge has, has been and continues to be that we do have a very large financial services industry that is set up and built around an idea that is antithetical to impact investing. And so whether it's the way that financial services companies are set up, the way that regulation and law uh, dictates what they can do, uh, the cultural norms associated with how we keep score with our investments, all of those are, are set up to really um, focus only on the financial return, and that has been a challenge. But I go back to the Doreen's comment at the opening that uh, you know impact investing is, I think, right now poised with huge potential, but it also has not yet realized its potential. And we've always said from the beginning that in the end, impact investing will be measured not by the amount of money we move, but by the contribution we make as a movement and an industry to addressing social problems around the world. And I think there's certainly many examples that I and any other impact investor could give you of individual organizations and companies that are making a very positive difference through their work with their communities and their customers. Um, but we're not yet at a point where we can say definitively, you know, here is a large contribution we've made on the, the most pressing issues at a macro level. I think the potential is there because this is something that resonates with many people, but it is going to require us to overcome a set of systems that have been built over generations to realize that potential. Uh, so, Doreen, I wonder if I could you know, ask you a, a question based on what Anthony just said, which is that impact investing has enormous potential, but for many reasons that potential has not been fulfilled. Uh, what are some of the challenges? Uh, you you also referred to the fact that impact investing is at a crossroads. I wonder if you could explain some of those ch- challenges and difficulties that have led to that potential not being fulfilled. Um, you know, I think it's it's um, really sort of picking up. You know what Anthony was mentioning. I think uh, the reality is. Um, you know, impact investing, of course, you know, has been around for a long time in many different ways and shapes and forms. But I think probably, uh, you know, recently, over the last few decades, more so than ever, as I think globally we have seen more wealth, interestingly, there has been also a a big demarcation between have and have nots. Interestingly, you know, there's more wealth, but then we also have more people who don't, you know, have access to that wealth. So I think, you know, uh, what's really interesting is I think impact investing, um, at least has shown us over the last 10 years on how, you know, it is sort of forming itself and sort of, um, you know, being practiced now, you know, in different ways in different regions, that it has a potential in meeting some of these gaps. And, and a lot of these social sort of, uh, I would say, holes that has been left that, you know, government can't really meet them or the philanthropy side can't meet them. Now, what also is very interesting, I think, the I would say before saying, you know, what the challenges are, I think, you know, at least, at least what we have seen in Asia Pacific, um, over the last decade, it took us a while to even get people on board, you know, in terms of actually understanding what this is about and how they can be part of this ecosystem. Because um, you have to understand, I think, if you think about it, uh, for any normal sort of professional, um, you know, their usual thinking is, you know what, 
you know, I'll have the right degrees, I will get the right job, and then I will take care of my family. And if I have enough, uh, at some point, I'll make a donation. And if I see some disaster happen, okay, if it tugs my heart, I'll give a few dollars. But what we try to do is, of course, try to change that thinking and say, hey, you know, if you are a banker, guess what? You can actually use your banking skills to, you know, be a part of uh, this instrument that we're creating that, frankly, will create jobs, but also will bring in jobs to communities that don't have it. And then, you know, uh, this instrument, be it a bond or, or whatever we end up making, this is what's going to pay it back and the investors will make some money, etc. So I think, you know, but the whole bottom line is incredible impact and, and, you know, creating sustainable jobs. So I think, interestingly, what we had to do is spend incredible amount of effort and resources to really bring people on board in the ecosystem, which really wasn't here, right? In Asia, it really was not there. I mean, there was probably some of it in Europe and, and uh, North America. So that was a big thing that we had to do. I think in terms of challenge, um, I would say is the fact that there's still a lot of education that needs to happen in terms of, you know, what really impact investing is about and what's it for, and it is very true. I mean, in the sense that, you know, it is money is a social contract construct. And I think we, um, you know, we same way, we need to actually be able to have people understand that creating impact, there is a value to that as well. And, um, and actually giving weightage, you know, to that value. So I think, you know, as the dollars are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, there will be that sort of tension and sort of understanding, you know, what's the value of the impact that's been created. So that's, that's you know, I would say the, the challenge that's coming in. And I think, um, you know, it's also a little bit in terms of, um, you know, everyone's, of course, very impatient to have the numbers be bigger. And I think, um, and people are trying to figure out how and how that money can go in the right places and, and you know, and where should it be going. So I think... Uh, those are the things I think uh, it is, it is, uh, it's very interesting to see that sort of the same type of conversations are coming up because, you know, on one hand you have these, um, you know, funds or, you know, you have now a lot of people going up on the stage and saying, hey, you know, we want to be part of it, but there are no products. But, you know, actually they are products. I think what people need to sort of understand that there is a risk associated with everything and how, what's your risk appetite, you know, and uh, what are you willing to do? Um, so I think it's this whole notion of risk, the whole notion of being able to embrace risk and someone paying for that risk. Um, these are the things now I think we need to sort of come to terms with. And in some ways, that's good because it, it means that the space is getting more sophisticated. You know, value, risk, all of these things are, I think, the right conversations and right debates, you know, to be, to be having now. But Anthony, if I were to <clears throat> turn the same question over to you and say, from your perspective, what have been some of the challenges in impact investing, uh, being unable to fulfill the potential that you foresaw a decade ago? Again, I'm just you know, repeating Doreen's perspective. I think rather than focusing on challenges, we should take stock of how much progress we've made first. Uh, I recall that when we coined the term impact investing in late 2007, I put a Google alert on those two words, and uh, it came back, and I was so excited that someone in, uh, I think it was Australia, had used the term in a blog, and I was so excited that I wrote an email to the president of the Rockefeller Foundation saying, look how this idea is taking off. And, you know, when then a, in, a few years ago, in, in the same month, President Obama, the Prime Minister of England, and the Pope all gave speeches on impact investing. And so I think at least 
from a rhetorical perspective, it's it's pretty amazing not to take for granted where we've come. And it's more than just the rhetoric. That the amazing swell of interest, especially among young people, and I'm sure Doreen can validate this when we go and speak at business schools or conferences. You know, this is a space that people really want to be involved in. And so I think it's it's important to recognize that that power and that potential. And it's not something that ten years ago we could have taken for granted would happen. I, I really think the industry is moving to a third phase. I was thinking about this recently, that there was a phase, and this took place for many decades, even before Doreen and I showed up, in which there were innovators who were focused and motivated by mission, who were developing small uh, investment funds and products on on the outside of the mainstream. And I think for many years they, they worked. It was lonely, um, but they were able to sort of keep things going. There was a second phase, which really the last decade has been characterized by, in which mission-motivated people have moved into mainstream financial services institutions. A lot of them were already working there, had the ability to, to start a little program or start a fund within the, those organizations, and again, led by people who are motivated to be impact investors because of the impact. Um, but I'm really struck that we're entering a third phase in which there's now enough momentum among the owners of wealth who want their fund managers and wealth advisors and institutional investors to provide them with impact investing products. So impact investing is now becoming something that people within those institutions are engaging with, not because they care about impact, but because this is something they recognize as the next major opportunity for marketing and and increasing sales and customer relations. And so we now are in a phase in which um, industry is going to be led to scale by people who are responding to what they see as client interest rather than a deep personal motivation. So I think it's a very interesting moment to ask ourselves, with that shift happening, what are we going to do to ensure that when the industry does scale, uh, it does so with real impact? And I think the Global Impact Investing Network in their assessment of what the next decade requires really got it right when they described the need to scale with integrity. Um, I think we have far more potential to scale than we could have expected um, and would have been very happy 10 years ago to, to see where we are in that regard. Uh, but the question of the integrity of the impact and, and how that's going to um, play out is an important one. And to answer your question around barriers, I think one of the biggest barriers is the disconnect between the urgency that communities who need social issues solved have around those social issues versus the inertia within the mainstream financial services institution. And I'll tell you a specific story. Last week, I had an opportunity near New York City to meet with a bunch of institutional investors in the morning. Uh, and then in the afternoon, I um, drove to one of the poorest neighborhoods in New York City to meet with an incredibly inspiring um, entrepreneur who is has mobilized a community response to help young people who are about to fall into the criminal justice system and potentially go to jail turn their lives around. And he has a proven approach to do this. Uh, it's a really fascinating way of mobilizing his community. And um, in this case, we were meeting with him because my organization, Nonprofit Finance Fund, was is in the process of considering a $1 million loan to help support his organization to focus on serving those young people rather than worrying about their, their finances and meeting payroll and so forth. But the disconnect between the sense of comfort and somewhat complacency meeting with investors in the morning who are committed to impact investing, but frankly are living pretty comfortable lives versus the real sense of urgency being in a community like that in the Bronx, New York, really crystallized for me the challenge we have. Uh, and answering the question, is the impact investing industry going to make change within the investment systems quickly enough to meet 
the urgency of the, the challenges we have around the world, whether that's climate change or inequality or, or many other problems that require a real sense of, of urgency and, and dynamism. Uh, thanks, Anthony. That's a, that, that's a great story. Uh, uh, Doreen, I think Anthony is exactly right about the disconnect between the sense of urgency that needs to be created when you tackle you know, burning social issues and the sense of comfort and complacency that you often see among you know, the, the well-heeled financial institutions. Now, I know that for, for Impact Investment Exchange and for you personally, investing in the future of women, uh, especially the world's poorest women, has been a matter of huge priority. How have you, uh, in your experience, tried to create that sense of urgency and bridge this disconnect that Anthony was talking about? Well, you know, it's, I mean, I have to say, I mean, this sense of urgency is um, extremely difficult to uh, to basically, you know, put in anyone, you know, on the investor side. And I think, you know, the I think if it doesn't impact them directly, I think, you know, the sense of urgency for them is is something that's very far and very remote. So I think, you know, I would say, the disconnect and sense of urgency, as well as, in some ways, sort of um, thinking that someone will take care of what needs to be taken care of, and they can just walk in and, you know, just write a check, right? And that's how the impact is going to be made. Um, well, it takes a lot of steps to get there. So it was. It's very interesting. I often say, you know, I mean. You know, as you know, Mukul, and you know, you did a lot of coverage on this, so we're very grateful for that. You know, when we did the Women's Livelihood Bond two years ago, and we are now doing um, the same issuance for the second one, and it's a hundred million dollar bond. And I always share the story that um, you know, it's very interesting. Now everyone sort of jumps around it and oh yeah, we are part of it, but which is wonderful. And I'm really happy. You know, everyone everyone's sort of taking ownership of it. But when we were doing it, I remember, um, you know, we had a obviously bank, banking partner because we couldn't sell it in the public market, but they could, they had the license. So they came to us and said, you know, they said to me, Doreen, okay, you know, this is just, it's just too risky. It just to people just, you know, they don't understand it. You know, what's this? You know, these women in the remote part, they just don't, they, you know what? Just drop the women and just call it, you know, high yield bond. And then maybe we can do something. And I said, I'm not going to drop the women. And so then they said, okay, if you're going to have the women as a part of the, even the name, despite all the things you did and the fact that, you know, this is actually credit worthy and et cetera, et cetera, you got this guarantee wrap, et cetera, you still need to put in a first loss in the instrument. And I remember thinking at that moment that, you know, this is the price you have to pay, right? And the price was literally I put in all my savings, you know, as the first loss. And I think I still remember at that moment that, you know, this is something quite incredible. And this is, it is an urgency, you know, to bring in, you know, the poorest of the poor into the capital markets. Although it'll never change. Things will never change. But on this side, you know, for the investors, they wanted every risk to be taken care of. And even what they thought was risky, even if it weren't. So I think... You know, for us, I think the onus probably lies on every, with everyone, but given that we want this market to move forward, um, I guess we just have to keep on pushing at it and educating and just sort of, you know, making sure they understand that, you know, there is an incredible track record also now to be seen after 10 years, um, you know, in this space. 
Um, and yes, you know, you all need to kind of sit up and sort of acknowledge that these won't come in a in a package, you know, nicely wrapped with a bow on top. Um, and you know, these these things are messy. These are supposed to be messy. They're supposed to be complicated because you're trying to solve very complex social issues and environmental issues, right? And then you're bringing them to the financial market. So it, I think it is sort of interesting that um, that part of it, of how complex it is and how many layers and how many things you need to do, somehow it's kind of getting missed in translation. And, uh, and on this side, people are sitting there saying, you know, I'm happy to invest only if, you know, you basically check off all these boxes. So, um, and, you know, of course, we are sort of killing ourselves and trying to check off all these boxes. So, so I don't know. It's, I mean, Anthony, I'll be curious to hear your response, you know, on this. And, I mean, sort of what we are seeing this in the field. I mean, what's your thought on that? And frankly, with you, Mukul, as well, because you talk with so many investors as well. I mean, what, what do you all think? Do you think it's going to change or we'll all have to sort of go through the hoops for a while? Well, I do think this comes back to something you said earlier about your intention in creating IAX was not just to create conduits between the capital markets and the people who can desperately use that in capital in productive ways but are currently cut out. I think that was always one part of impact investing was to unlock more capital for impact. But when we coined the term 10 years ago, we very intentionally recognized that there is a second meaning to the phrase impact investing. It's not just can we unlock capital for impact, it's can we actually impact the way the investing industry works. And I think I've increasingly come to recognize that that second mission is absolutely imperative if we are going to realize the potential of this movement. It's not going to be enough to simply find the very narrow slivers of ways in which the capital markets, as they're currently constructed, led by people operating with the way they currently organize their firms, finds the few things that are investable on the terms that they recognize and are used to seeing and, and moves money into them. I think that's, that's fine and it's a good way to start. Um, but I have increasingly come to recognize, and it might be because of the uh, gathering science around climate change. It could be because of what's happening around inequality and how entrenched it is uh, appearing to be, especially in, in uh, developed countries, and certainly what's happened in the politics of the United States. I think all those things in the last decade have made me, um, if I would say, radicalized to recognize that it's not going to be good enough to have a financial services industry that works with the incentives and the structures the way it always has, um, we'll certainly be able to build a small impact investing uh, niche within that, but ultimately to really create a capital market that moves money into the incredible organizations, many of which are led by women um, who are shut out of the current capital markets and can make a huge contribution to solving the world's problems. That's going to take more than just unlocking capital on the terms the, current mar- the capital markets currently set, um, but it's going to require innovation in the way that they are structured and function. And there I wouldn't underestimate the combination of three things. The urgency of these social issues, it's clearly not just us who recognize them. Um, the fact that there is a real shift and in interest in this kind of work, especially among younger people. Um, you know, And then finally, the, some of the structural issues within the investment industry, which are increasingly leading more of mainstream investments to be you know, sort of handed over to algorithms and computers, and, and what's left is a real search within the industry for ways that they can create value. I think those three things are creating some real disruptive potential, that it's not crazy to think that in 10 years we could look back and see how we've not only unlocked capital but really changed the way that industry works. But that's what it's going to take. Um, And then ultimately I think the other really important point is impact investors, and I've always said this, have to recognize we are not a substitute 
uh, for political action and well-functioning governments. We are a complement, uh, and in many ways only get to make a difference and make a return when we ally ourselves with progressive governments that are moving the way that society works. We, we can't be functioning well in a society that's organized around greed. Um, that doesn't work. I think some impact investors have made the mistake of thinking that their impact investments can be a substitute for uh, recognizing that there are other ways in which our societies have to be uh, have to be raised up around issues of justice. And I think we can be effective if we ally ourselves and not if we act in isolation. I, I think we are almost running out of time, so I have one sort of question that I'd like to pose to each of you. And that is, uh, given uh, both the promise and the sort of the pitfalls of impact investing as you see them today. What do you think the future is going to look like uh, in, in the next few years? Where do you see impact investing going? And where do you see the greatest potential to make a difference? Uh, maybe Doreen, you could go first and then... Sure. Um, well, I think, you know, what I like to say always is um, the future will be where you don't have to even talk about impact investing because it will be, you know, the most natural thing. So... At least at IX, you know, we are kind of working towards, um, you know, impacting a billion people, which we will, and uh, and we will uh, bring them into a market, frankly, which will embrace them. So, so I do hope it is not just uh, a financial system change, but it really is a change in in every level, and everyone has a voice. So I do feel that it's all going in the right direction. Um, you know, maybe not as fast as some people would like it, but I do feel that it's going in the right direction. Anthony, do you have any uh, thoughts on how impact investing will evolve over the next decade? I think, as Doreen said earlier, it's very much in the balance. What's exciting about the time we're in is the movement has moved far enough in the last 10 years uh, for there to be a real credible possibility that the, the vision that Doreen described of an impact investing industry and movement that really does make a major contribution to improving the lives of a billion people. Uh, that's not crazy. And I think 10 years ago, we, we couldn't have um, hoped that we would have the opportunity to say that now. Uh, it's, it's neither crazy nor inevitable. Uh, and so I do think that the challenge is going to be how do we, as the Global Impact Investing Network said, uh, scale with integrity uh, and hold on to the, the vision and, as well as the, the radical aspects of this movement at the same time that we do so in a way that recognizes the constraints that the, the industry currently faces. So it's a incredibly exciting time. You know, one thing I always say is the one thing we have in common as impact investors is that none of us can explain to our families what we do. Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing <laughs> opportunity to be able to work uh, in this new area where we are trying to bring together uh, two aspects of our society that have, at least in recent history, been, been kept apart, investing and, and social purpose. And uh, it's, it's going to be a, a very exciting decade. And the one thing I know is when we hopefully get on the phone 10 years from now, we will uh, be able to say that we could not have predicted today uh, many of the exciting developments that, that happen over the next 10 years. Well, that's a date. I think we have to do that, Mukul. You, Anthony, <laughs> and I, I think 10 years from now, we have to have a chat again if we have reached that billion so, mark. So, so I th and I think we will be there. So, so that's, sounds that's good. a good one. Sounds good. Well, Doreen, Anthony, thank you both so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure speaking with both of you. Thank you.